Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Episode 88 is Thursday, August 16th. Zach, how are you doing? Hi, my name's Alfred D'Elia. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. I was I was really hoping you'd play that at some point during this episode. It's on our soundboard now, so we're we're good to go. I've become obsessed with this kid. Did you watch his interview on Jimmy Kimmel the other night? No, I have not. I need to see that. I mean, he seems like the sweetest kid, Big Al. <laughs> at one point, at one point, Jimmy Kimmel said, "Hey, Al, how do you feel about your parents?" And he said, "If you don't like them, my wife and I would love to adopt you." As like oh, a joke. Yeah. And he just doesn't even think twice about it. He just says, oh, no, I love my parents very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, he's – Big Al, he's the man. Yep. Um, when was that? Was it like Monday or Tuesday of this week? Yeah, so the, you could just call that the best part of my, of, of my week. Oh, for sure. Uh, episode 88, Zach, this is probably the most star-studded version of a number that we've had ever. I mean, 88, who comes to mind for you, Zach? Do you have anybody – you think of uh there's just a bunch of them um marvin harrison for sure you know for me yeah i mean right off the top marvin harrison guy played all 13 seasons with the colts he was inducted into the pro football hall of fame in 2016 here's a stat line 1102 catches 14,580 yards 128 touchdowns and 190 games played he's one of the four receivers selected to the nfl's all decade team of the 2000s so, Zach, there, there were four receivers in that all-decade team from the 2000s. Harrison was one. Who do you think the other three were? I don't know. Who do you got? Randy Moss. Come on. Randy oh. Moss. Yeah. T.O. You know the fourth one? I don't. Torrey Holt. Ah, Torrey Holt. I would not have gotten Torrey Holt. Yeah. That would have been the tough one right there for sure. Another great 88 is Chris Carter. This guy – I would say is known as uh, the second best receiver from that late nineties, Minnesota Vikings team. Um, but then again, I'm a big Randy Moss Homer, uh, Chris Carter, though he played most of his career with the Vikings in the nineties elected to the pro football hall of fame in 2013, played 234 games, 1100 catches, 13,899 yards and 130 touchdowns. He was a member of the 1990s all decade team along with Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, and our next number 88, Michael Irvin. Michael yep. Irvin, playmaker. I mean, yep. Yep. I, I remember Michael Irvin from uh, The Longest Yard, the Adam Sandler remake. Uh, he played all 12 seasons with the Cowboys and posted 750 catches, 11,904 yards, and 65 touchdowns. Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2007. And, Zach, the last 88 here, Des Bryant who Michael Irvin gave permission to use his number. Exactly. 531 catches, 7,459 yards, and 73 touchdowns. Since Dez was drafted 24th overall in 2010, um, Dez has only played all 16 games in just four of his eight seasons. His best year was 2014. 88 catches, again, 88. 1,320 yards, 16 touchdowns, which was first in the NFL and was a member of the all-pro team. He, uh, he was on Team Gregco that year. Ah. But that was the same season that DeMarco Murray led the NFL in rushing, who was a member of H&F. 
Hey, all right. What do you remember about that year having uh, DeMarco Murray? Um, I don't even remember where we drafted him, but I remember that uh, we just knew that the O-line was going to be good with the Cowboys. I f- so you guys definitely drafted him. There wasn't like a trade week two or week three. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea. Anything's possible. I just remember that season, uh, the Cowboys played the Titans in Nashville and DeMarco, I think he ran for like 250 yards or something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the Cowboys, they won the NFC East that year, but lost in the divisional round of the Packers and that famous Des caught it game. Yep. So Des currently a free agent, you know, and, and people look at Des and, and say, you know, Des is a free agent. He's still a free agent because he can't back up, you know, the kind of money that he wants. Last year, though, wasn't awful. I mean, 69 catches, 838 yards, and six touchdowns. He was cut by the Cowboys in April, but he uh, was spotted at the Cleveland airport today, uh, Thursday, August 16th, made a visit with the Browns. Zach, you think it's going to happen officially? Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I do as well. Um, But let's move on to uh, the best part of the week. Best part of waking up is soldiers in your cup. So, Alfred D'Elia, is that his name? Alfred? Big Al? Was that the best part of your week, Zach? Hi, my name's Alfred D'Elia. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. Yep. There you go. Wow. All right. Best part of my week, my, uh, my roommate went on a road trip, so I've had the entire house to myself for, like, a full week, and it is just the best. Yeah. I mean, this is, like, better than anything. I took Wednesday off from work and went to Titans training camp. So that was nice as well. I mean, it's just been, I've been, you know, flying on cloud nine you all week. The players? I did it. No. And I've gotten to a weird like point in life, like four or five years ago, I was all about standing in line and getting autographs and pictures and things like that. And now I kind of just observe from afar as I watch these like creepy old guys trying like elbow kids to get at the front of the line. So yeah. it's kind of deterred me from, from wanting to do that. Okay. Not that I have anything against like autographs and things like that. I just, in that setting, if there's a bunch of kids around, you know, that's kind of their time. You know, I, 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 am I an adult now? Is that what this means? Sounds like it. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, but that was the best part of my week. And another great part of our week was we, we talked last week with John McClain, really appreciative of him coming on and, and joining us again. Another repeat guest, Zach, we were able to talk with ESPN's Mike DeRocco, who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for their NFL Nation beat. And Zach, uh, really enjoyed our conversation with Mike. It's time for the Call of the Week. As we preview the start of the 2018 NFL season, we're talking with some of the most respected beat reporters around the league. Last week, we welcomed back John McClain of the Houston Chronicle to talk Texans, and we're happy to welcome back Mike DeRocco of ESPN's NFL Nation, who joins us for a preview of this year's Jacksonville Jaguars. Mike, thanks for the time. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Hey, doing well. I understand you're uh, in Minnesota for the, the joint practice between the Jags and the Vikings. How are things going? Are we staying fight-free? Uh, yeah, actually I'm not. I did not make the trip. Um, but, yes, so far, fight-free. I know that the, the Vikings and the Jaguars players um, – representative sample got together before the practice on Wednesday to kind of make sure that everybody was respectful and all that other stuff. So, um, 
seems to be going pretty well for the first day anyway. Oh, good, good. I, I know you're completely objective, Mike, and I know that um, – you know, after years of covering some of those two and fourteen, three and thirteen Jaguar teams, from a beat reporter's perspective, how nice was last season this change of pace? You know, covering a division winner and a team that was arguably a, a play away from a Super Bowl. Well, it was so much more enjoyable because you know, at some point in every season when it's going terribly like it had been, players get cranky. Um, they're not happy to talk to the media in there. You kind of run out of things to write. You're like, oh my gosh, you know, how many more ways can I write that this team stinks? And, you know, they're losing games for the same reason. So it was nice to have some success to cover for a change. And, um, you know, I was telling my wife this last year uh, at the end of the season, you know, I covered University of Florida from 2000 to 2012. And when I left the University of Florida, I think the last football game I covered was their bowl game against Louisville. And I hadn't covered a significant game since the play until the playoffs last year. I was like, it's been so long since I covered a significant game. This is such a nice change. Well, hey, I want to start with a story of yours from ESPN.com from Wednesday on Jacksonville's wide receivers. You know, after the Allens, you know, Robinson and Hearns left in free agency this offseason, what can you tell us about the Jags' approach in replacing their former number one and number two receivers? Well, you know, obviously they brought in Dante Moncrief, who had one good year with the um, Colts, uh, signed him to a one-year deal, so I don't think he's a long-term, or they don't view him at this point anyway as a long-term solution. Um, but they're going to rely on some young guys and D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole and rookie D.J. Chark uh, to go along with Marquise Lee and those two, uh, uh, Moncrief. So, you know, it, it's going to be a mix uh, of guys every week. And, you know, their approach is we don't have a true number one. And, and when I say a number one, I mean guys like Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, that level. Those are true number one wide receivers. Uh, so their approach is we don't have a true number one, but we feel like we've got a really good mix of guys that can take turns being our number one um, throughout the season. And, and they're playing on riding the hot hand. If DJ Chark is, is playing really well, getting open and making a lot of catches in practice and a game or two, they're going to ride him for a while. And then one week it might be Marquise Lee. So I think by the time we get to the end of the season, they may have three to five guys with, anywhere from, you know, 40 to 60 catches, uh, roughly the same number of, you know, yards, give or take. Although I do think Keelan Cole will probably lead the team in receiving yards again just because he's more of a downfield guy. Um, you know, so then they just have a bunch of guys with similar numbers. So there's not going to be one guy that you can point your finger at and say, hey, this guy's going to catch 75-plus balls this year. You mentioned Keelan Cole and Marquise Lee. They finished with the most snaps last season among the Jags receiving core. Where in the pecking order do you think they'll be this season? I, I think they're in the top three um, with, um, with Dante Moncrief. Um, you know, they do like um, Lee a lot, uh, especially on those crossing patterns. And he, of all the receivers, he's the best blocker. Um, so they will have him on the field a lot. Um, you know, will he re lead the team in receptions again? I don't know. But, you know, the thing about Keelan Cole is, is you know, he's, he's continued to improve. You know, people worry about a sophomore slump, but I haven't seen any indication of it in camp or anything. I will say this, though, the one thing, uh, there were some times last year where he shied away from going over the middle, 
where he pulled up a route short, where he alligator armed a couple of passes. Um, I've seen that once or twice in training camp, so that may still be a little bit of an issue. But I think right now, if I were if I were ranking them in order, I think uh, Keelan Cole would end up would be their number one wide receiver at this point going into the season. I know injuries have plagued him the past few years, but Dante Moncrief had over 100 targets for the Colts just a couple seasons ago. Why do you think he's regressed like he has, and, and what's been his role so far in Jags camp? Um, well, obviously the injuries played a role in it as well, and also um, the fact that you know his quarterback the last couple of years has been Jacoby Brissett, not Andrew Luck. Um, now I've talked to people in Indianapolis, people that covered the team. Uh, there may have been some attitude. Um, selfishness issues, work ethic issues, um, plaguing Moncrief. But, you know, so far, everything I've heard and everything that I've seen out of Moncrief now is that he is absolutely everything that they'd hoped he'd be. Now, he did, he was banged up a little bit. I think he had an ankle early in camp, uh, missed some time, but he's back full now and he's made um, several highlight catches over the last week. So I think he's a guy that uh, is probably exceeding my expectations in terms of camp at this point. And we'll have to see how it goes in the regular season. But, you know, he has some stability here with Bortles that he didn't have with Jacoby Brissett. And um, he's got a a much better run game backing him up than uh, he did in in Indianapolis. So that should hopefully help him uh, have a little bit more room to work with. And, uh, you know, the Jags want to stretch the field a little bit so they can get guys out of the box to stop concentrating on Leonard Fournette. And Moncrief's the guy that you can go down the field with and really, really runs well. So, I, you know, they're excited about what he can possibly bring. The most misleading quarterback in fantasy football over the past few seasons has to be Blake Bortles, Mike. Last season, he finished 13th among quarterbacks in fantasy football leagues. He had a decent, you know, 21 to 13 touchdown interception ratio. But I know a lot of his numbers come in those from behind games and in garbage time. But with all the changes this offseason, would you advise fantasy owners on taking a flyer on Blake Bortles? Yeah, maybe a late-round deal. I mean, I don't think Bortles is going to go back to throwing for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. That's, that's not the way they want to play. If, if he is doing that, it's because this team is trailing in games. But this team shouldn't be in that situation because the defense is coming back intact. And um, the run game should be even better, especially with the addition of Andrew Norwell on the offensive line. So, you know, Bortles' numbers I would expect to be similar you know, in the low 20 touchdowns, but, uh, you know, their thinking is that he can cut down those turnovers even more. So you could have a thing where it's like 22, 23 touchdowns, eight or nine picks, um, you know, 33, 3,500 yards in that general vicinity. So sure. I mean, he's a late round guy that you could probably grab and, you know, on a, you know, if you're caught shorthanded one week because of some buys or some injuries, you can throw them in your lineup for, you know, a week and, uh, you know, get by. Taken fourth overall last year and with Tom Coughlin back in town, no one was really shocked by Leonard Fournette's 268 carries as a rookie. But, you know, he finished with just over 50% of the team's total carries, next closest being Chris Ivory at 112. What will the carry share look like this year in the Jacks' backfield? Well, Ivory's gone, so those carries have to go somewhere. And I think most of them – or the majority of them will go back to Leonard Fournette. I expect him over 300 carries this year. They are going to run the heck out of him. 
he is lighter. He dropped down about 223 pounds because he said that's the weight that he felt the best at. Uh, that's the weight he was when he ran for 1,900 yards at LSU as a sophomore. Um, so he feels more explosive. He says he feels more um, agile. And he's hoping that, you know, being that weight will eliminate the ankle issues that plagued him a little bit last year. So everything points, you know, I mentioned the addition of Andrew Norwell at left guard, the all-pro, everything points to Leonard having a massive year, and they are going to feed the beast. So he will be over 300 carries, no question in my mind. Do you think Fournette should be in first-round fantasy discussions, or is he more talked about in the second round, in your opinion? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, you could, you could make the argument that absolutely he should be a guy that you would target in the first round. Um, in fact, you know, I shouldn't say you can make the argument. Yeah, he should be a first-round guy. They're going to give him the ball. How many running backs in the league are going to get 300 carries? There's not going to be as many of them um, as there used to be. So, you know, guys like Bell and David Johnson and Gurley and uh, who am I missing? <laughs> Zeke Elliott, guys like I mean, they're all going to end up with over 300 carries. Leonard's going to be right there with them. And he's already shown that he's going to rush for touchdowns. I think he had seven last year. So he'd definitely be worth a shot. Mercedes Lewis signed with the Packers in May. And with the exception of the Julius Thomas seasons in 2015 and 2016, Lewis led the Jags tight ends and targets nearly every season since 06. So do you expect Austin Safarian Jenkins to be the presumed replacement at tight end? I do, and uh, he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, it was uh, you know the knock on him was that he's not a great blocker, but he's okay. He's serviceable, and you know that's going to keep him on the field a lot more than a guy like a Ben Koyak or a James O'Shaughnessy. And he's an athletic guy. Caught 50 balls last year for the Jets. He only averaged, I think, eight yards a catch, though. So I think that number will go up. And look, the Jaguars now have multiple big targets to use in the red zone. And Bortles has looked for Safarian Jenkins a lot during camp uh, in the red zone. So I think that's a guy to watch. Maybe there's someone you could snatch up in the later round that he may end up with five to seven touchdown catches. Hey, it's not the most exciting thing to talk about, but our league includes a team defense and individual defensive players. It wouldn't be right to talk Jaguars fantasy and not mention the NFL's returning number two total defense. So where has this defense dropped off, if at all, and where have they improved? Um, <clears throat> honestly, I think the, the drop-off might come at that nickel spot um, because Aaron Colvin is now with the Houston Texans. Texans. Um, so that might be an area where they're not as good. They signed D.J. Hayden to replace him, but he's not at the same level of Aaron Colvin. Uh, they will miss Paul Pazlucky, uh, the middle linebacker slash strong side linebacker. Um, they're going to start a rookie, Leon Jacobs, at strong side linebacker, so there'll be a little bit of a drop-off there. But that's it. I mean, 11 of the guys, the, the, the projected 11 starters, eight of those guys have played in the Pro Bowl. You know, the sixth last year, Marcel Darius, and then Tayshawn Gibson, the free safety. So this defense should not take a step back. They're a little deeper on the defensive line with the addition of Tate and Bryan. You know, so they should be very, very good against the run. It's a unit that's going to force turnovers. Unique Ngakwe is the master at strip sacks. Ten of his 20 sacks have been for strip sacks. So it's a unit that's going to force a lot of turnovers. Now, will they score as much as they did last year? 
That might not happen. It probably won't. But they are going to force turnovers. They're going to create big plays. And this defense should be the first or second one off the board. I also can't not ask about Jalen Ramsey, who's from right here in Middle Tennessee. No one locally surprised by his comments in Wednesday's GQ article where he kind of he went off the top rope on half the quarterbacks around the league. What did you make of his comments? And more importantly, what do you think the Jacksonville's uh, Jaguars front office made of the comments? Well, they weren't happy. I can guarantee you that. But Tom Coughlin, not happy to see all of that kind of stuff because that's just not the kind of stuff that Tom Coughlin would want out of his players. But um, I'll say this, and I'd say this to Coughlin too. Look, if anyone, if you were surprised that he said this, then you clearly haven't been paying attention the last few years because that is who Jalen Ramsey is. Jalen Ramsey is not shy about speaking his mind. He has an opinion. He's going to state it, and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. And whether he's right or wrong on some of those quarterback opinions are, is irrelevant. His teammates have his back, and they will support him through this. Now, it puts a big target on his back, but if you're Jalen, you want guys throwing at you so you can start making the plays uh, so you can have interceptions, so you can have pass breakups, so you can shut down big-time receivers and end up as a, an all-pro again. So none of it surprised me. I don't have a single problem with that at all. That's what Jalen thinks. That's who Jalen is. From a media perspective, it's fantastic. Um, it's going to always give us something to write about. So he can back it up. So as long as you can back up everything you say, knock yourself out. Hey, we love it for this podcast. It's, it's great content. You're right there. Uh, one of our favorite segments during the preseason is what we call no thanks, where we declare a player or maybe a roster spot that we want nothing to do with in fantasy for the upcoming season. Last off season on our podcast, you said no thank you to Blake Bortles, which you know no one could ever really argue. So are you saying no thanks to him as well in, in 2018? Who are you saying no thanks to? Uh, I, I just, I would probably say no thank you to the Jaguars receivers. Not because I don't think they're good and talented, but I just don't think you can count on consistent production from any one of them. I think as a group, they'll be pretty good. But like we talked about before, it might be D.D. Westbrook one week catching six for 120 and a touchdown, and then he may only have 30, 40 yards receiving for the next month each game. You know, you just don't know which guy's going to be the number one. You can't point to a guy and say, he's going to leave his team in receiving. So I would probably say no thank you to the Jaguars receivers for that reason. I like it. Hey, once again, that was Mike DiRocco, Jacksonville Jaguars beat reporter for ESPN's NFL Nation. Give Mike a follow on Twitter at ESPN DiRocco and click on his stories. You won't find better Jags coverage. Mike, thanks again for hopping on with us. All the best this season. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Once again, that was Mike DiRocco of ESPN's NFL Nation covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. Zach, what did you take from our conversation with Mike? I loved his, uh, his bit about Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that was good. And then his no thanks of the, just the wide receivers in general, you know. So um, this is kind of confusing. I agree, you know, with, with that no thanks. Two years in a row, I think Mike's pretty good at the no thanks. I didn't really have to explain it too much. Yeah, yeah. But uh, speaking of Jalen Ramsey and his comments in GQ, let's take a trip around the league. Let's take a trip around the league. Zach, I didn't want to tease it earlier, but this may be my favorite part of the week so far. 
So for those of you that haven't seen this, I don't know where you've been if you haven't seen this, Jalen Ramsey had an article from from GQ magazine, which I believe was written actually in like May, uh, came out earlier this week on Wednesday. And this is Jalen Ramsey basically has the week off because he was suspended a week for uh, going after the Jacksonville media. So he had the week off from training camp. And this article comes out, and Zach, this guy went off the top rope on just about every quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, it was crazy. I was uh, sending you the text, you know, when it first came out. It just, it was uh, pretty bizarre to read, but very, very entertaining for sure. Let me go through some of the quarterbacks that, uh, you know, basically they, they asked him about the quarterbacks that are on Jacksonville's schedule this year. So the, the teams the Jags are playing and the quarterbacks for those teams. So let's kind of go down the list here. We'll, we'll talk about some of the best ones. Um, he wasn't all you know, negative about everyone on this list. You know, some positive. Uh, like, for example, Aaron Rodgers. Ramsey's comment, he said, does not suck. All right? Okay. Uh, Derek Carr, I think he's good. Deshaun Watson even said he'll be the league MVP in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and then you get to where things aren't so flattery. Uh, you look at Andrew Luck. He said, doesn't really think he's that good. Or I don't really think he's that good. Ben Roethlisberger, decent at best. Jared Goff, average to above average. And I love the one about Joe Flacco. He just said, dude sucks. <laughs> well, he does. And uh, my other favorite one was uh, Matthew Stafford. I think you put for him, he just put, he's straight. Right, which, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, for real. But I just, I know the one about Mariota was kind of, it looked like a backhanded compliment. He said he's great for their team. What does that mean? That's what he said? I thought it was he was a good game manager. Well, he said he's great for their team and he's a good game manager, which that is like a backhanded compliment in the NFL. If you, if you refer to a quarterback as a game manager, not uh, good. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. That, that, that really... You know, I wouldn't say that we're a member of the media or anything like that, but for people like us who do this kind of stuff and, and get to talk about the league, this really was great timing for us. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. what, else, what else are we going to talk about on a Thursday night? Yes. Yeah, I know. So no one was really surprised there. The only thing is, Zach, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, he has to back up these comments uh, when, he, when he plays this season. I mean, they play week one, they play the Giants with Eli Manning, who I don't believe he said anything really nice about. Can't find the comment right now, but oh, he he said essentially Eli Manning is nothing without Odell Beckham Jr. Odell makes him right, which Odell was not on either of the Super Bowl winning teams that Eli Manning led. But you know, like I said, I I just he's got to back up these comments starting week one. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. You know, just to see if people throw at him, and that might be what Jalen Ramsey wants. You know, for people to throw his way. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and, you know, we mentioned earlier, I went to the Titans training camp on Wednesday, wanted to review that a little bit, Zach. Um, I was, you know, I, I mentioned the autograph thing. I just, I don't know what it is about this team, but I mean, the practices, I've been to two so far. I went to the, the scrimmage at Nissan Stadium a couple Saturdays ago, and I went to the, the training camp on Wednesday. And it's just, I don't know, it, this team, the, the practices are, are way more boring than I think I remembered going to, like in even last year. They had a joint practice with the Panthers. This joint practice with the Buccaneers was was pretty boring. Maybe it was because I went by myself and kind of sat solo in the bleachers, but uh, really nothing to look at from uh, from training camp. I will say a few things though. 
Zach, do you remember Jerome Klein? Yes. Uh, he's He was in the youth group, I believe, with Ross Garrison at Sycamore, right? Yeah, he's like an equipment manager or something now, right? Yeah, I was seeing that guy everywhere. So I almost went up and said something to him, but I was watching Jerome, man. He he was, you know, handing the ball to Derrick Henry during, like, running back drills. Oh, cool. Um, I mean, he was all over the place. So that was that was a really cool thing to watch. I definitely spot him now. I kind of play I Spy, and I see him uh, when the Titans post videos to, like, Instagram and stuff. <laughs> so kind of, a, kind of a neat Cookville connection. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out. But speaking of Derrick Henry, man, that was one of the first little bits that I saw was they did these running back drills where essentially they were trying to – they're having the, the running backs block the Bucks linebackers. And first three in a row, Derrick Henry really stuffed – Levante David and Riley Bullock and a lot of the linebackers from Tampa Bay. So it was, it was good to see him kind of improve as a, a, a run blocker and a pass blocker. You know, those linebackers got to be like, Oh man, you know, when they, when they get lined up with uh, Derek Henry. Oh, I know. I mean, he's six three, two forty seven, which I believe is the same measurement as Von Miller, which is just nuts. Which is just a little bit lighter than Zion Williamson from Duke. I don't know if you've seen him. Oh, the guy, the guy that had the dunk this past week from yeah. the free throw line. Just, just imagine that on a basketball court. All right, continue. In, in, insane. Uh, Mike Evans, I was thrilled to watch Mike Evans because the guy is just a freak. But where was he last year when I drafted him, like, ninth overall? Well, Jameis was too busy eating a W and uh, just forgot how to throw or something, you know. I don't know. So frustrating. I, you know, I, I hate to call it a bust pick because, I mean, I was not crazy to take Mike Evans in the first round. I mean, that's kind of where everyone was leaning heading yeah. into the draft last year. Where did you pick last year? I want to say it was like nine or ten. Yeah. See, that's where we're at this year. We have no plan. We're just kind of like whatever. So it'll probably be Mike Evans. I mean, so when you watch a receiver versus a corner drill in training camp, it's it's meant for the receivers to win. I mean, a one-on-one drill like that with no – um, pass rush and, and no blocking really. Yeah. The receiver's going to win like, you know, eight out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, Mike Evans just, he was the headline both days. Really impressive. Corey Davis looked good too. I know he's missed a lot of training camp so far, but I've got a video. I don't know if I sent it to you, Zach. I've got a good video of, of Corey Davis, um, you know, catching a, a, catching a post route. He just, he's looked really good in the days that he's played. So it's been fun to watch Corey Davis. Um, one other thing too, I was not expecting this. Peyton Barber is the starting running back for the Buccaneers right now. Dirk Cutter said that on Wednesday that, that Peyton is the starting running back. That they're going to roll with Peyton Barber, even though they drafted Ronald Jones, the second out of USC in the second round, that sixth pick. So I, I think that's a running back room that no one's really wanting to touch for fantasy purposes. Yeah, I would say so. I agree but, with that. Yeah, but speaking of running backs, let's move on a little bit and talk about some more rookie running backs. This happened since our um, podcast aired last week. I know it's kind of old news now, but Darius Geis, running back for the Washington Redskins, tears his ACL out for the season. Big blow to the first-round running back out of LSU. Yeah, it's just kind of having flashbacks of last season. You know, it was just such an injury-filled season, and for it to already strike like that in the – very first game of the preseason, it's just kind of like, oh, man, here we are. Fantasy football is almost back. <laughs> oh, I know. And staying in that division in the NFC East, uh, the second overall pick, Saquon Barkley, not as serious an injury. He does tweak his hamstring in that 
um, 20 to 10 loss to the Browns in week one of the preseason, you know, he looked really good. I mean, he had a 39 yard run. Apparently yeah. that, yeah, appara- that, well, apparently that tweaked hamstring happened on that play. Oh, I, I think if you're the giants, you got, you got to sit on the rest of the preseason. I mean, you've seen everything you need to see out of them, right? Yeah. I saw where, you know, he had that big run and then like his next two runs or three runs were like for just a yard or something like that. And man, hamstring injuries. Yes. Who that is so annoying. And, um, yeah, they got to make sure that that's taken care of before the season starts. Barkley missed all of this week in practice um, since tweaking that hamstring, but he, you know, he says he's good to go. So we'll see. I just, I think they should sit him the rest of the preseason. No need to play him. Another rookie running back, Rashad Penny, the first round pick, 27th overall, fractured his left pinky and is uh, expected to miss four weeks reportedly. So it doesn't look like Rashad Penny is going to start this season. And Zach, I don't know if you're hearing the same things I am, but even though he was a first-round pick at running back and he's supposed to be the guy to, to be the workhorse back, it looks like Chris Carson, who's returning from a broken forearm, it looks like he's going to be the lead back whether Penny is healthy or not. Have you seen this? Yeah, I saw something about that, that they think that Carson's going to be the guy. I would kind of think that too. Um, but it'll be – yeah. It'll just be interesting to watch some more of the, the preseason. But, man, after last season, I think it's got a bad taste in my mouth with uh, Seattle's running backs. Yeah, it's really been hard to kind of judge or to really get an outlook on, on what Seattle's going to do with their running back situation. Really, ever since Marshawn Lynch retired, you know, they've, they've run with guys like C.J. Procise and J.D. McKissick and Thomas Rawls, Chris Carson. So who knows where they're going? Their running back field is kind of like – you know, New England's, except not as talented or as as uh, successful in fantasy. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, with that backfield. But um, let's move a little south, and we'll go into Oakland. Martavis Bryant has been such a strange offseason story, and the story just gets even weirder. So, you know, we, they, in June it was discussed about his suspension still looming. Um, possibly failed another drug test. We still haven't heard anything about that. But John Gruden, who back in the saddle as a head coach, he referred to Martavis Bryant as the white tiger. Did you see this, Zach? I did not. So here's the quote. Gruden said, we're calling Martavis the white tiger, he said on Wednesday. I used to go to Bush Gardens in Tampa. We called Joey Galloway the white tiger in Tampa. You go to Bush Gardens and they've got a white tiger. You go 12 times or 13 times, and the White Tiger is always in his cage. But the White Tiger came out today. Bryant came out. So he's making the analogy to this White Tiger in that you never see it. And I, I think he's trying to send a message to Bryant through the media. I, I don't know, Zach. I, I, I don't see a scenario where they cut him or where he's not on the roster. But the Martavis Bryant of 2014, 2015, I think that guy's gone. Yep, I agree. And it makes me sad. Yeah, I would imagine it would make you sad. But hey, maybe you can take a late-round flyer on him, you know, very last round. I might do that, or I might trade for him. Listen, all this is is that you're just trying to make him sound like he's pathetic and then, you know, do what happened a few years ago. We all know. I call him my boy Chucky, and I said, hey, I need you to start saying some really bad stuff about Martavis Bryant. (laughs) Yep, that's it. Hey, speaking of – possibly former Oakland Raider receivers. Terrell Pryor, did you see this, Zach? The Terrell Pryor, basically, he got two for flinching. 
you know, they had a joint practice with the New York Jets where Terrell Pryor plays now. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with the Jets. They had a joint practice with the Redskins. And during kind of a one-on-one drill, I don't even know who the player was. He, uh, he beat Pryor in a, in a drill, batted the ball away. And the whole secondary for the Jets, I mean, for the Redskins, just went nuts. And DJ Swearinger, who is known for being a troll throughout the league, got in, in Pryor's face, and Pryor kind of looked at him, and Swearinger did the, you know, fake punch. You know, he kind of cocked his arm back, and Pryor got caught flinching, man. No. Total, yeah. total Ross Garrison move. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Um, so I just, I don't know what the deal is, man. Everywhere Terrell Pryor is gone. I feel like his teammates always say bad things about him. He can't stay healthy. He's had maybe one or two good seasons, but I just, I don't get what's going on with the guy. Yeah. I feel like he has a manager too from last year that says some bad things about him too. Well, real quick. So Terrell Pryor told reporters Monday that he had two surgeries during the off season, one to his foot and one to his ankle. He had this to say. He said, I tore three ligaments in my ankle, and then I broke my ankle in May. What? And it's just, I don't know if he's making excuses or what, but this was one of the craziest things I've seen a head coach say all offseason. Head coach Todd Bowles was not happy with Pryor's comments, and he appeared to take, you know, kind of the Mike Vrabel approach yeah. to uh, players discussing their injuries with the media. This is what Todd Bowles had to say. He said, Sherell doesn't need to be so descriptive. I feel he should keep his mouth shut and leave the injuries to me. Wow. So it's true. Yes. Wow. And we, I know we have one manager in our league used to come on this podcast a bit. Matt Suggs is not a Terrell prior, the third fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you say? Yeah, I would agree. My no thanks is a no-brainer, boys. It's Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor, no thanks. You were junk when you were on the Redskins. I don't think you're going to be any better with the Jets. You're the second receiver for the New York Jets, and they don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. I'm not going to spend a pick on you. I'm not going to waste my time thinking about you. Terrell Pryor, no thanks. No thank you. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, that was good. That was the first, like, no thanks we've had from someone in the league in a long time. Maybe we should just make that a thing next episode. Just have everybody send us your no thanks. I think it'd be good. Yeah, so who knows what's going on with Terrell Pryor. I, I heard someone say that maybe he might not even make the roster. So we'll, we'll see what's going on there. And speaking of the Jets, Zach, we've done our previews of the divisions around the league. We did the AFC West last week. Moving on to the AFC East with this preview. Zach, when you look at the quarterbacks around this division, I mean, the GOAT is a member of this division, Tom Brady. You've got the situation with the Jets with, I don't know who is going to start there um, between the three quarterbacks they have, Sam Darnold, the rookie, Josh McCown, the vet, and then Teddy Bridgewater. You've got Ryan Tannehill with the Dolphins, and then Buffalo – Maybe the worst quarterback situation in the league, just in that trio of Josh Allen, A.J. McCarron, and Nathan Peterman. So, Zach, like we've done before, where would you rank these four teams in terms of the quarterback situation? Well, you put Tom Brady way, 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 way up there. Way up there at number one. And then it is just a dumpster that is on fire for two, three, and four. Would you agree? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Dumpster is kind of a strong term, but I do agree. Brady's just like 
Brady's in the attic and everyone else is in the basement. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's go with Tannehill, I guess. Miami would, you know, let's go with that. And then, um, I guess. What? Go ahead. Dealer's choice for the last two. (laughs) Sure. Buy one, get one free. Yeah. I, so I, I agree. Brady, number one. He's the number two quarterback returning from CMB last year. Posted 32 touchdowns and eight interceptions without Julian Edelman last season. So he's got Edelman back uh, at least after the first four games from that suspension. But no, no brainer. Tom Brady, best receiver, best uh, quarterback in this division. I actually put Sam Darnold as the number two, and that is just because I, I think he's going to break away as the starter before the season starts. He doesn't look smooth by any means. But I think he and Mayfield, you know, Baker will have the quickest success of all the rookie quarterbacks. I, I just feel like Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, they have the fastest path to starting of all the rookie quarterbacks this year. So I put Darnold at number two. Um, Ryan Tannehill with the Dolphins. Sadly, he's kind of like Mariota in that I just I don't know if I can trust him to finish a 16-game season. He's just he's he's been inconsistent uh, since he was drafted in 2012. And he hasn't played a game since December 11, 2016. So I, I put Tannehill at third. And okay. then Josh Allen, I don't even like making comments on him because I just – he's such a wild card. I have no clue what their offense is going to look like. It could be one of the worst in the league. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Looking at the running backs, Zach, where do you rank them? going to put LaShawn McCoy if everything, you know, checks out and he's good. You got to put McCoy up there above everybody else. Right. Um, then after that, um, I guess I'll go Miami, New England, then the Jets. All right. So if you flip New England and Miami, then we have the same list here. I, I agree with Shady McCoy. I think if he plays all 16 games, they have the best running back situation. He's currently the only workhorse back in that division, I would say. Everyone else kind of has a running back by committee group. I put New England as uh, the second best running back situation. Rex Burkhead looks like he's going to be the starter, at least for now. They have James White, the rookie Sony Michelle from Georgia, who should be the number one running back there. And then don't forget about Jeremy Hill. Um, You know, the the Patriots signed him this offseason from Cincinnati. And do you remember the last time, Zach, that the Patriots snagged somebody from Cincinnati? A running back, Rex Burkhead. Uh, okay. So Burkhead did play for Cincinnati. Good point. Corey yeah. Dillon, though. Ah, okay. Corey Dillon in two thousand four, in his first season with the Patriots. So this is Jeremy Hill's first season with the Pats. Corey Dillon in two thousand four, three hundred forty-five carries, sixteen hundred thirty-five yards, and twelve touchdowns. Wow. I'm not saying Jeremy Hill also does that, but yeah. The Pats know what they're doing when they take running backs from Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, Cincinnati, whenever that happens, they've kind of got to be like, oh, man. They, like, they, they know something, you know. Exactly. Uh, and then the Dolphins, you know, Kenyon Drake, he really emerged after Jay Ajayi was traded last October. But it looks like Frank Gore is receiving a lot of snaps with the first team. So who knows? How is Frank Gore still playing in this league? I know. It's unbelievable. In, I think he's been he's been playing since what like 2005 2006 something yeah I mean it's 
been a while. He was on that Miami team, University of Miami team with Andre Johnson. I mean, the guy's yes. he's been playing forever. Yep. Um, so who knows what the Dolphins their their backfield's gonna look like. We saw Frank Gore, you know, play for the Colts the past couple of seasons and hasn't really lost any steam. I guess. Apparently. Yeah, and then the New York Jets, their running back situation, this is like the team of sloppy seconds when it comes to running backs. I mean, you got Isaiah Crowell coming from Cleveland, Thomas Rawls coming from Seattle, and then Bilal Powell, who just the guy can't catch a break. So uh, I'm going to say no thanks, Jets running backs. I think that's a good good idea. Zach, you haven't had a no thanks in a while. Is there anybody you just want to throw out there? You don't have to. I don't have anybody off the top of my head at the moment. Frank Gore? No thanks, Frank Gore. Thanks, Frank Gore. Let's just All right. It. Let's move to the uh, receiving core. Uh, again, we'll include receivers, tight ends, and pass-catching running backs. Zach, how do you rank these four teams? Um, if we're including tight ends, is that what you said? And, yeah, any pass-catchers. Okay, so uh, Patriots again. Yep. One with Gronk there. Um, and then they just got some – you know, decent wide receivers as well. Uh, after that, I guess you got to go with Robbie Anderson after what he showed last year. So I'll go with the Jets with that. And then it's just tough, but I guess between Miami and uh, Buffalo, because Buffalo got Kelvin Benjamin. So I don't know between those two. Buy yeah, one, I, buy one, give one three. I put Buffalo last. And only because Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin, that guy, no thank you, Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. That dude's a joke, man. And, and Corey Coleman, too. I just – that was not a good look. Did you watch this past season or this past episode of Hard Knocks? Uh, no. I've never watched any of the Hard Knocks. I've never had HBO to watch it. So We're only two episodes in this season, and I already think it's the best yet. Oh, wow. And Corey Coleman, it, you know, we, they started out the second episode, spoiler alert, Corey Coleman basically was losing his first team snaps, and they, they moved him to the second team. And you see the opening scene, he walks into, you know, head coach Hugh Jackson's office, and he said, hey, why am I getting second team reps? And Hugh Jackson kind of told him like it is, and, and Corey Coleman said, well, then why don't you just trade me? So that's exactly what the Browns did. And they traded him for a seventh-round pick. What did they? What did he say after? You know, he said, "Why don't you just trade me?" What did the coach say? I can't. So I, I watched. That was just the the clip before they kind of go into the intro of the episode. So I didn't see the rest of the conversation. But that is just not a good look for Corey Coleman. I don't know where his head's at. And if he thinks that being traded to the Bills is going to help his situation, he might be on the first team of the Bills. But he's got a rookie throwing to him and two other quarterbacks that have limited experience. So. Who knows? Yeah. And, you, you know, you mentioned the Patriots at number one. I, this really is no contest. Julian Edelman's back. The best tight end in the league in Gronk is back. Patterson's got that speed. They signed Eric Decker, who was terrible in Tennessee, which probably means he'll be great right. in New England. Yeah. And then don't forget about Chris Hogan. And yeah. then you, men you mentioned Robbie Anderson with the Jets. Looking at the Dolphins, they lost the number four receiver uh, in CMB from last season and Jarvis Landry, so they're going to have a hard time replacing him, I feel like. They signed Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson, but we'll see uh, what the Dolphins look like this year. Buy one, get one free. That's right. 
Zach, let's uh, let's move away from the league and, and go into our league, CNB. Some league news. Zach, you posted about it in the Facebook group, and it looks like we have a bit of a showdown within the league. And we kind of saw this coming based on uh, a guest spot two weeks ago from the newly formed West Coast Wombats. Zach, can you tell me what happened, what transpired? Yeah, so let me just kind of paint the picture for you guys that um, – I got a text from Ross after he heard that podcast where the uh, newly formed West Coast Wombats, you know, came came on and, and talked some smack. Ross sends me a text maybe the next day or so and says, I want on the podcast ASAP in all caps, multiple exclamation points, all this. So we set up a time, you know, Pace. We, we set it up for uh, the last episode and – Basically, long story short, we got brushed off. Yeah, and keep in mind, we teased the episode on the Facebook group and on our newly formed Twitter account that is, uh, let's just, can I say it's it's growing like wildfire, our new Twitter account? Yeah, I would say so. And we, we teased this uh, guest interview. We said we had two interviews, one outside of the league, of course, with John McLean, and that we had another guest within the league this makes us look bad when the guest within the league does not show up. Yeah, no, no response. Um, we finally got a hold of him on the phone, and then he turned us down. It was, it was really awkward, to say the least. So, fast forward to uh, this past Sunday. Uh, we saw Ross at a youth event, and uh, Ross, Ross was, I guess you could say he was being a little hesitant to, to come up uh, near myself and, and Matt Collins. Um, Usually he does, you know, come up and talk to us like, you know, nothing, nothing's wrong. But there was cl- clearly he was avoiding us, in my opinion. So, uh, anyways, I figured this was our best shot to get a comment from him because he's impossible to get a hold of these days, apparently. Um, so, we've got a little audio clip here. Um, and I've got more pictures I'll post. Just so you guys know how this all started, Matt was just staring him down. Matt Collins was staring down. Uh, Ross Garrison in this big room. Ross didn't realize it, uh, as you'll see in the photo. And then you see the moment that Ross turns and sees Matt Collins staring at him from from a distance. And Ross freezes in fear. Like he was even walking towards Matt, not knowing that Matt was that direction. And when he turned and saw Matt just staring at him, he froze. Then Courtney comes in, the the new co-manager. And uh, basically they just slowly move in towards Ross. Ross didn't know what to do. And then um, there was a little bit of, of some words right here. What you need to say. Welcome to CNB Fantasy Football Podcast <laughs> with your host, Ross Garrison, the original host, the original one who helped create the Fantasy uh, okay. Football Podcast. Yes, okay. cut. First off, cut. this is what I need the whole entire league to know say what you need to say, Ross. is say that what you need the say. East Coast Wombats have been an organization, trademark organization, I since I was in eighth grade. Okay, I'm 31 years old. So there's, we are the original Wombats. There's nobody else. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Matt, Matt feels so intimidated. They asked to bring in help to beat me. Uh, I do believe that last year I beat I thought you already had Matt. Help. Don't you already have help with your brother? Any on your team already? I don't, I don't. See. We're not talking about my brother right now. We're talking about the East Coast Wombats. <laughs> Get your facts right, Ross. 
I don't have to get it right. I've already got it right. You need to get it right or you're going to pay the price. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Ross, here's what I'm wondering right now. Um, are you going to be so intimidated like your brother last year who left the group um, that you will leave this year? That's what I want to know, yes or no. Because you looked pretty intimidated just a moment ago. Zach has proof. There's photo, photographic evidence. And your lack of response. Also, why are you wearing a 4XL mm, shirt point. right now? Good point. Why is, Zach, is it true, yes or no, that Ross Garrison is currently wearing a 4XL shirt? I'm not sure. Let me try. <laughs> just an XL. Oh, okay. Yeah, just an XL. Okay, well, that makes it look better for you, Ross. Way to go. Okay, anything else you're going to say? <laughs> no comments. I'm done. That's it. So, let me get this straight. Ross several times reneged on the on the podcast interview yep. only to wait mm-hmm. for tonight yes. to say nothing right. publicly. Yes. Okay. That's it. That's, That's your final statement. Time. Final statement. That's it. We'll see. So, he will shut his mouth when he's talking to us. East Coast Wombats, 0-14, baby. Let's get it rolling. All right, Zach, that was really hard to listen to. Can we just let's, – let's deconstruct that whole thing real quickly here. First of all, right at the top – I don't know what Ross was talking about being the OG, the original host of this podcast. Where did that come from? I don't know. It's just, that's what he just started to say. I mean, I mean, the the guy's got a complex, like you and I started this podcast. Am I wrong? (laughs) You're not wrong. Also, I do love the fact that Matt Collins kept trying to loop you in and I could, you you sounded so like uncomfortable. Like when he kept asking you about the is, can you confirm Ross is wearing a four XL shirt well, like he, he was wanting to rope you in and you did not want to be in that at all. No, no, it, it definitely wasn't that. I'm, I was just, uh, you know, holding the, the phone while we were recording and I had to reach over and I checked the back of his shirt for real to see if he was wearing a four X, but it, got was, it. it was just an extra large. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that. I love that. I got to say too, I, I don't know if, if Courtney will listen to this because he's not in the Facebook group, but I hope he does. I loved Courtney's appearance in this little bit here. Um, uh, he, he's kind of the, the muscle of, of West Coast Wombats. I, the photo that I posted on Facebook, it may be my new contact photo for Courtney, like just kind of zooming in on his face, giving that death stare to Oh, yeah. Man, I laughed so hard at that. Um, it, it, it's, just, it's so good. He kept repeating the line, shut your mouth when you're talking to me, which is, that is a classic comeback. Like, that's a great line in any, like, debate. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. The whole thing was weird. Ross did not seem like himself, except for the part at the beginning, like I mentioned. Um, do we do we know if Reed is going to make an appearance at the draft? Yo, listen, I have no clue. Reed might show up. He might not show up. Um, we had planned – to have Ross come on the podcast and address this. Oh yeah. It just, obviously it hasn't happened. And you heard him say, we're not talking about Reed. Um, I, you know, everybody you have about the, the best guess, you know, as, as good as I do, we have no idea what's going on with Ross. I'm just glad he paid his money. Hopefully he actually shows up. We will probably know the details of why Malcolm Butler didn't play in Super Bowl 52 before we hear about Reed Garrison. Probably. Yeah. Zach, this is becoming like our league's Michael Crabtree versus Aqib Talib. So my question being, whose chain is going to get snatched? It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Who's, who's Aqib Talib in this situation? Because it sounds like Courtney is kind of the, the bad cop and that good cop, bad cop thing. And I, I really like it. <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah. 
So let's uh, let's move on real quickly here, Zach. Um, great great job recording that. I don't know if that was staged or not. Hopefully that was organic. I loved it. It was great. That yeah, that was just hey, come out here. We're going to record um, just a little bit real quick. So that was just that was the first take. That's what it was. We're recording this podcast on Thursday night, but we'll have this posted on Friday. And Friday tomorrow, Zach, two weeks away from our CMB draft. Are you getting excited? Yeah, and it's just kind of like you feel like you need to prepare for a test and you're not really prepared yet, you know, for the draft. That's how I feel. Right. And uh, also, I feel like the week before always goes by really, really fast when you yes. have a big coming up. And so this week, this next week is just going to fly by. And then the draft is going to be here. And um, it's just crazy to think that it, that it's almost here. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, you mentioned it's kind of like having a big test. I feel like a team that has a co-manager like you and Brian or J&J or I guess, you know, Courtney and, and Matt now, it's kind of like you guys have a big test, but the test you get to like phone a friend because you have help. It's like, you know, you get to do the test with someone with like a, a classmate. Whereas people like me, we're kind of out on our own. So I, have a, I feel like I have a little bit more uh, fear and insecurity about this. I need a, a second head. Yeah, it, it definitely is nice to bounce ideas off of each other and, and get opinions. So um, is this where you're going to announce that you're teaming up with Suggs or somebody? No, the Suggs, the Suggs dream is, is dead. And that was, a dream, that was a dream that you had. I don't even know if that was ever a dream of oh. mine or Matt's. That's really sad. I, again, like I don't think it's ever really a viable option. I think you and Brian wanted it to happen, um, but you know, maybe one day. I just I don't see it happening. Uh, I will say though, Matt is somewhere crying. There is a tear going down. Hey, I wait. Matt plays an integral role in this league. He hosts the the draft every year at College Side, so we're thankful for that. The draft, though, I just – I don't know, man. Some people have different reasons for going. I don't, I don't want to say I'm, like, strictly business when we go. I don't – I'm not as animated as I typically am because I'm trying to not finish in last place. Did a really good job of that last year, of course. Uh, but some people just go for different reasons. Like, I think Rish goes for the shenanigans and for the food. Yeah, I would say so. I haven't heard of any shenanigans, though, this year from Rish. So, Kind of like how your co-manager goes for the basketball, right? Yeah, last year he did, yeah. Last year he was shooting threes for like a straight hour. I don't know how he could do it. But um, speaking of the food, though, Zach, is it that time to start throwing out food suggestions? It is, yeah. I was just thinking it's, it's time to post that and get some uh, input from everybody. So be uh, looking for that and be sure to comment. Chase has that blog that he started last year that he's kind of posted from occasionally here in the last couple of weeks. I have an idea for a new Chase blog. Okay, let's hear it. So not really, you don't have to do like a Mount Rushmore, um, but I think it'd be cool to have like the list of like the best CMB draft snacks and draft food. I like it. Maybe I, That's a really good idea. Maybe it could be like a Mount Rushmore, but just kind of like, I don't, maybe even a bracket, like a March Madness kind of bracket style. And I don't know. I just thought that'd be a good idea for Chase. He's probably not listening to this. So maybe we'll have to tell him over Facebook, but that's something I'd, I'd like to see. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a good one. Zach, let's wrap this up here, and let's talk about our Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week. Is that still the, <laughs> is that still the wrong one? 
It's not yeah, the- it's it's so strange. It's like I I don't even know what I'm listening to. And I apologize. I really thought I'd fix that. Maybe next I, episode. I think you just like playing it, and every week you just say, "Oh, I'm gonna change that." But you really do like it deep down. I really thought I had it. I really thought that was it. Yeah, a likely story. What's your tweet of the week? Um, you go first. You go first. All right. So I have one. This is from last Saturday night. Super random. And I mean random. This was kind of late at night. It's like 1030 on Saturday night. I get a notification. This is a tweet from a good buddy of mine, Drake Finland from Cookville. Used to be in the youth group at college side. At the Drake Finland tweets at 1018 p.m. on Saturday night. Random thought. I want to apologize again to at Jordan Pace 13 for openly stealing his good joke about Nelly getting arrested in Cookville like four or five years ago and then getting more interaction from it. Sorry, dude, that was a dumb thing to do. So some context here. Nelly, the R&B, not R&B, the hip-hop artist, was arrested in Cookville, and apparently there was a lot of meth on his tour bus. And so I tweeted, I said, and I quoted the, the lyric, if you want to go and take a ride with me and get arrested in Putnam County. Drake copied that tweet and pasted it to the Awesome Eagle Twitter account, and the tweet blew up. It like went viral. So I'd forgotten about it. I'd forgiven Drake, but it was kind of nice to see that. A uh, little bit of a humble brag by me just now, but that was my tweet of the week. When you say it went viral, like how many likes are we talking about? Like I'm, I want to say over 200 retweets, which that's a lot for something like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I guess I can't use the Big Al tweet, you know, from earlier, but um, I don't know if you saw Taylor Lewan bought like $1,000 worth of jerseys and was picking people out from training camp and pulling them out from the crowd, would get their name and sign the back of the jersey. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Taylor Lewan, he's he has had a bad reputation for a few years, and I think he's kind of repairing that. He's really charitable guy really funny yeah i I liked that as well it's a video so i mean there's no point in you know playing it or anything but it's just cool he pulls um you know a little girl from the crowd gets her name and and uh you know just starts autographing it and does that for multiple people that day so i thought that was really cool all right again thanks to mike DeRocco for joining us earlier in this podcast and and great episode 88 zach any parting words before we go Big Al, and I hit dingers. That's a W. That's E1.